Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. We will be reading from the Gospel of John. It's going to be the 8th chapter, verses starting from 12 till 38. John 8, verses starting from verse 12, and it will go up to 38. Where it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light. The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true. Because I'm not alone, I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My father, my other witness is the father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sins where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why, why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below and I'm from above. You are of this world and I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jew who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it for forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me. Because you have no room for my word, I'm telling you what I have seen in my father's presence. 
and you are doing what you have heard from your father. This is the blessed word of God. Let us bow our heads in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for this beautiful passage, my Lord. This is power-packed passage, my Lord. And it talks about the authority and the dominion, Lord. It talks about the, the truth, my Lord. We pray, God, as we bow our heads and we ready ourselves, give us the guidance of Holy Spirit so that the seed of your word be sown in our hearts so that we may bear fruits for your glory so that when we go back, Lord, we have an answer to our questions and the confusions be addressed by your powerful word, Lord. We leave everything in your hands, God, and we lean on you to hear from you, to understand from you. Guide us, my Lord, as we ask this together as one body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderfully read, and uh, I love, love baptisms. They've put this uh, lectern here to stop me falling in uh, to the baptistry, not to hold my Bible. Uh, if anyone can fall in, Heather would say, Guy will fall in some. Hoping I don't, and you're hoping I do. Uh, wasn't it wonderful, those testimonies? Wasn't it fantastic to see people? I thought Doreen should be preaching this morning, having seen her two daughters go through the waters of baptism. And just, it's such a joy. And of course, the truth of the matter is that this is just the beginning. That, 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 that's the truth of baptism. It's a wonderful entry and a doorway into the Christian life, but it is just the beginning. And the one who has saved them hasn't come to make them religious. The one who saved them keeps his promises forever and ever and ever and ever. They will shine like stars in the universe a million years from now because they've trusted in the one who is the light of the world, as we've just read in this wonderful passage. We're coming uh, to the end uh, uh, for this year of our series uh, called Amazing Love. Um, and we've said before this, actually this is a bit echoey, isn't it? Is it a bit echoey? No, it's all right. Okay. The, the, John has written, John the Apostle, the disciple of Jesus, has written this quite complex gospel with a real aim in mind, and that is to reveal who Jesus is. It's very easy to get wrong impressions of Jesus and, and not quite understand who he is. So John has, has, has painted signs, like road signs, to say, look, look this way, this is who he is. The one who's turned water into wine, the one who has fed the 5,000, the one who has opened the eyes of a blind man, the one who can move powerfully uh, to heal just by a prayer. This wonderful one is none other than God. And John uses the name of God in John's gospel, the I Am. Moses back in uh, the burning bush, back in the book, uh, early on in, 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 in the Bible, he encounters God and says, what's your name? And God tells him his name is, I am who I am. John picks up the name I am to answer some of our most basic questions that are in our lives. Who can I trust in this world? I am Jesus says the truth. Where is love in this world? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You'd rather 
Would you rather I changed? Just leave it there in case. Just leave it there in case. Okay. If I kick it in the uh, baptistry, is that going to cost me my salary? (laughs) How can I know God? I am the door, says Jesus. With so many religious choices. Which way? Jesus says, I am the way. But in this passage, and it's quite a complex passage, to be honest, the most important question a person can ever ask in their life is found in verse 25. And it says this, Who are you? They asked. Just what I have claiming all along, says Jesus. John chapter 8 shows us there are only three really real responses we can make to the claims of Jesus Christ. Last week you looked at John 8 and the first part of John 8 where a woman who has been caught in adultery, who knew her sin, came into a place of forgiveness. And she came into a place of worship. That's my hope and prayer for all of you this morning. The second response is found in the response to the religious leaders to Jesus here who hate him. They want to kill him. In fact, they'll go on to have him handed over to be crucified. And the third response is the one that often happens with most of us that Like his disciples, there is a fear, not quite understanding it all, and you run away um, and uh, bury your head in the sand. Tim Keller, who is a uh, a famous preacher in America, New York, uh, led a church there. He said this, the only possible way to respond to Jesus is extremely. And I want to encourage you this morning in an extremely response. What I really don't want, and what I feel is so wrong to do, is to say, well, Jesus is a nice guy. He's nice. Isn't Jesus nice? I don't want anyone leaving here this morning to say, isn't Jesus nice? If he was on Facebook, I'd give him a like. I like Jesus. He's quite a nice guy. He didn't leave that response open to you or me. He calls every life in this planet to come to him and make a response to him. And so I'm going to help you this morning and just uh, show you as we work through this passage that Jesus says, it begins as it was read to us, I am the light of the world, verse 12. I'm praying this morning that there is a switch that is switched on in your heart that illuminates Jesus Christ. That you can see who he is this morning. And in verse 32, he goes on to say, and you will know the truth to the Jews who believed in him. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I'm also praying this morning for all of us to know a degree of freedom from an enemy who wants to enslave us and make our lives miserable. Miserable is sin. And so I'm just going to pray for that. Lord Jesus, would you come in the power of your spirit this morning to turn on a light? 
And may you come in the power of your spirit to deliver us from the evil one, the one who ensnares even your children to make them miserable, to make them captive, to make them uh, caught up in, in sin's nightmare, in, in the dungeon of sin. And I just pray this morning, come Holy Spirit and do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Amen. Amen. Now, in order to help us understand what is, to be honest, quite a huge text. I mean, you're probably sitting there hearing it read and thought, wow, I'm glad I'm not preaching this morning. I'm going to look at this through the lens of two family trees. I think what we see here is two important family trees. I don't know how many of you have ever seen um, Who Do You Think You Are? Anyone ever seen that? I mean, it's a sort of a, it's a TV series where they find someone who's famous and they sort of trace back and, and, and oh, in your ancestry, you had this. And Josh Widdicombe is my favorite, who, who they, who's a comedian, and they traced him back. And back in the last century, uh, they found that he's related, he's just got an ordinary life, and he's related to the Bearings of Bearing Banks, one of the most wealthy people in the 19th century. He's related to them. Now, that's something, isn't it? But they went even further back, and they came to Henry Rich. Henry Rich was in the court of Charles I. And Henry Rich, Holland House, Holland Park, Holland Park was his garden, and Holland House, which is a little bit of it left, was his mansion house. And they took this Josh Widdicombe there and said, this, is, this was part of your family estate. Oh, he felt good about that. What would we find in your family history? You know, would you like to hear? I mean, if I traced Heather's family history back, I, can, I, can, I have done this. I've gone back to her great-grandfather. He was into minerals. He studied minerals. He was a coal seller. Uh, he was. He was actually a coal merchant. Uh, actually, you know, Trace, would, what about Howard getting Holly a, a sort of Christmas present and saying, you know, your family tree, how to discover it. Imagine Holly found out that she was related to Queen Victoria. <laughs> Do you think that would alter the family dynamic? Howard, go and get me a cup of tea, would you? Yes, my lady. I mean, it would be fascinating to go back, wouldn't it, and, and, and trace your family tree. Well, there are two family trees here. Two family trees. There is the family tree that I would say of slavery, because it says here in, Jesus says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So there's a family tree of slaves and there's a family tree of sons. And we're going to look at the slaves or the, 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 the family tree of false religion. Because the Jews in this narrative, the religious highbrow, are attacking Jesus. They're saying, verse 19, where's your father? Go on, Jesus, where's your father? There's, there's, there's questions being asked. Your dad's died, and there's all questions about your legitimacy of your birth. Who exactly are you, Jesus? Did you come? Are you, are you from Galilee? Nothing ever comes good from Galilee. They didn't even, even sing the carols we sing today, O little town of Bethlehem. They didn't even know that he came from Bethlehem. But they're attacking his pedigree. They're saying, you don't amount to much. And as for us, and it says it a number of times in this passage, we are Abraham's children. 
They're tracing their family tree back. If you don't know anything about Jewish history, they're tracing their history all the way back into the Old Testament where Abraham was the father of faith. Abraham who left a pagan lifestyle, who believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness that his offspring would be like the stars in the universe or the star sand in, on the beaches. That was going to be the number of Abraham's offspring. They're saying, Abraham, we can go right the way back Family, father, grandfather, all the way back to Abraham. We know who we are. We're Abraham's descendants. But Jesus says to them, as they're proudly boasting who they are, he said, hang on, let's just stop there a minute and let's go back a little bit further. He says, I know you are, this is verse 37, I know you are Abraham's descendants, Yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. And then he goes on to say, You belong, verse 44, 44, to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. So Jesus says to these religious leaders, these are the good guys, actually, you can tell where your roots are by the fruit that is produced in your lives. These people wanted to kill the most perfect human being that's ever walked on the earth. They so hated him, they wanted to crucify him. They wanted him out of their lives. And Jesus says, you need to understand, you think you're religious, you think you're the good guys, you think you're, you're in the, standing in a right relationship with God, but actually, in truth, you can trace your ancestry back beyond Abraham into the garden, into a tree, to your first ever father and mother, Adam and Eve, who were given dominion, given authority, given a beautiful garden to take care and a world to take care of, but told never to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan came, who never ever speaks one word of truth. Satan, who has fallen from the highest heights of heaven, along with a third of the angelic host, cast down because he aspired to sit on the throne, onto God's throne. And he was cast out of heaven. It was this fallen angel that came to Eve and deceived her and says, hey, you don't want to be subject to God. You can be like God yourself. Why do you want to come under his authority when you can be prince and, uh, of your own world, king of your own planet? And Eve and Adam sinned and they fell and judgment fell and they were cast out from God's presence. They were cast out from the garden. And as they were cast out, God gave a promise that a second Adam would come. A perfect Adam who would tread on the serpent's head and deliver mankind from the serpent's bite. Mankind in that moment became slaves, slaves to Satan, slaves to sin, and, and, and death itself. Now, I just want you to remember, because this is really important, 
the Pharisees were the good guys. Got to think of them being the really, really, I mean, for us today, it'd be very, probably you're talking about the synod. You're probably talking about the sort of Pope and his, 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 you're thinking about these are the guys who are looking, speaking, acting, behaving in such a way that people go, well, they're, 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 the, they're the religious good guys. And Jesus is challenging them by their fruit. He is ripping off the mask that they're wearing and showing that they are slaves to sin, that they're seeking to kill, that they cannot hear God's word, verse 43, and that they are lying because they are following their father who is the father of lies. The world of religion, false religion, cannot help save or rescue one human being. I want you to hear that. Because many of you feel like, well, if I just go to church a bit more, if I just read my Bible a bit more, if I, if I do a holy pilgrimage to Jerusalem, if I do something, God will notice and God will forgive and God will be pleased with my life. And yet, sin enslaves, religious pride enslaves. C.S. Lewis says, if the divine call does not make us better, it will make us very much worse. Of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst. It's the religious bad man that started the Crusades. It was the religious bad man where Buddhists are in fights with other Buddhists. It is the religious bad man that flew a plane into the Twin Towers. Religion, you see, as Jesus rips the masks off here, cannot rescue or save from the nature of sin. The fruit of the tree of rebellion to God is death. And Jesus came to bring freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I want to just, I think, as I was preparing for this morning, I felt God said to me there'd be people here who needed to walk free of religiosity, walk free of false religion, walk free of their pride, their religious pride, and their, their sense of accomplishment. I felt God wanted to set... Christians free from the enslavement of, 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 of Satan. You know, in the Lord of the Rings, when Frodo gets to Shelob's lair, it's quite a chilling moment, isn't it? They enter into the caves and there's all these threads hanging down and uh, they, they start to sort of catch them and they start to get caught up in them and then eventually they're sort of spinning and eventually the spider comes from the side or from above and starts to spin Frodo around and around and around around until like he, he's, he's, he's just got his little mouth there trying to breathe in air. 
I believe, is a powerful picture of sin and its enticement. The sin that so easily entangles. I believe that so many people in this room have, 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 have reached for something and made it their God and become enslaved by that God. Think of, think of money. Think of the, 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 the image of you can have it all in this world. You need more wealth, more material. And how a person just begins and gets one little thread, then another thread. And then all of a sudden their life is bound. They cannot move towards God because they're bound by materialism. All of sin is like that. Alcohol, which is a good thing, suddenly becomes enslaving. Drugs enslave. Pornography. There are so many enslavements of the devil because he's a liar and he tells people this is a li- this is good for you a little bit of this and it'll be good for you and people end up enslaved and that's why we need to hear these words a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs forever so if the son jesus sets you free you will be free Indeed. I believe there's a sword of cutting free people this morning to become who they're called to be, which is sons and daughters of the living God. So let me just finish by reminding you of another family tree, and that's the family tree of God's son. Jesus tells them about his lineage. In fact, he finishes this uh, chapter by saying this in verse 58. I'll tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham existed, Jesus says, I was there. And John begins in his wonderful uh, gospel. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus. Before anything ever happened was Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So why did God, in his Son, become human? Why did God just not stay in the glory of heaven? Why did Jesus become a man? Well, John's already explained that, or Jesus already explained that in John 3, as one of the testimonies said. His mother always used to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But verse 14, before John 3:16, says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. John takes us right back, Jesus takes us right back to another disaster, another time when people got enslaved, got enslaved to sin and and the judgment was snakes came into the camp and started biting them and they were dying and dying and dying in despair and hopelessness and Moses cried out to God and God said, make a, a bronze serpent, lift it high, whoever looks to the serpent, whoever looks to that means of grace will be saved. That snake bite will be taken away. 
And it was a picture, it was a pre precursor to the greater work of God upon the cross. Jesus became a man. Jesus lived the perfect life. Jesus talked about who he was in his glory, in his majesty, in his wonder. But he sets his face towards another tree. A tree that is going to become a tree of death, but actually in truth it will become the tree of life to all who would believe in him. So Jesus is handed over to be crucified. Jesus is tortured. He's nailed to a cross. He's lifted upon that cross. He cries out, Father, forgive them. That's the mission. Father, I've come and Father, forgive them. For whoever looks upon the Son can be saved. Whoever looks upon the cross of Jesus Christ and cries out to God can be rescued can be delivered from the Satan's snares and Satan's bite and enter into eternal life. God isn't willing that anyone should perish, but that everyone would look to the Son and live. Jesus is the perfect man. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus was sent to die as a substitute, as the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of this world, your sin my sin because Jesus didn't stay on a cross three days later a stone was rolled away and he was wonderfully resurrected death could not hold him Satan could not contain him he is alive and he is the one who says it is for freedom it is for freedom he's come to bring freedom So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Freedom from death, freedom from sin, freedom from Satan's ensnarement. The Son, Jesus Christ, is here to set you free. You know, it's almost Christmas. And uh, it's a wonderful time of year. God's love is on display. God's love brings Freedom. 46 years ago, 46 years ago, I got invited to church. Never been to church. Wasn't interested in God. Wasn't interested in religion. Couldn't care less. But I'll tell you this, I was already enslaved. I was already ensnared. My parents thought I was a write-off. I was deeply, deeply unhappy, all kinds of problems. And someone said to me, why don't you come along to church, sing a few songs? There's nothing wrong in that. So I came along to church, an Anglican church. I heard a vicar, after we sang a couple of carols, I heard a vicar explain why Jesus came. That Jesus came to rescue He was the lamb that was given, slain for the sin of the world. And that anyone who would trust in Christ could be set free, could become a child of God. And he said, as he brought the meeting to a close, as I'm bringing the meeting to a close shortly, he said, there are people in this room today who are going to come forward and surrender their lives to Jesus. 
And I'm sitting where you are and I'm thinking, this will be interesting. <laughs> and I found my legs stand, the first one. I came forward and knelt at the altar rail and I wept my way into the love of Jesus Christ. I found that Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. And that my prayer, Jesus, would you have me? Would you just deliver me? Would you save me? Jesus, it only takes one look for him to save and to rescue. Because that's what he does best. He will save his people from their sins. Because he loves to do that. And as I was prayed for by this vicar, I knew the power of God that was setting me free from a life of despair, a life of emptiness, a life of enslavement, and giving me a purpose in my life. Heather was in that church on that occasion. We weren't boyfriend or girlfriend, anything like that. And she said it was the first time she saw an out-and-out non-Christian that was pretty hopeless respond to the gospel. I went home to tell my parents. My parents said, my dad said to me, I'll give it two weeks. Give. It's, like a, it's like a disease, like flu. Give it two weeks, you'll be over it. 46 years, I'm still not over it. I'm still not over it. So two things I believe God wants to do this morning. I believe he wants to free people from the slavery to the devil and make them sons and make them daughters. Whoever believes, that's all you need to do, whoever believes, just look to the cross. One look is enough. And secondly, I believe there's freedom from sin. Can Christians be demon-possessed? No. They can't because they're possessed by the Holy Spirit. But they can be demonized. Peter was told, get thee behind me, Satan. Ananias and Sapphira, who were definitely believers, they, 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 they thought they could lie to the Holy Spirit. Christians can get enslaved. They can get demonized. They can start being unfruitful. They can get caught up in bitterness. They can get caught up in materialism. They get caught up in lust, in watching porn or whatever it might be. And their, their, their joy is robbed of them. I'm here to proclaim that Jesus said these words. It was for freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is your birthright. Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom Christ has set you free. And so I just want us to have a moment in the Holy Spirit. I wonder if the worship band could come back up. Heather, if you want to get a microphone, I believe there's some words that God wants to, wants to give to people in this room. I felt that two, two things God gave me in terms of, I think there is a person, a man in this room who has got caught in debt 
And I saw a person struggling with an anaconda right around them and choking the very life. You're a believer, you're a Christian, the debt is over 30,000 pounds. And you don't know, you can hardly breathe when you go home. You can hardly breathe because Satan has you exactly where he wants you. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here today to set you free. And I believe there's a woman, at least one woman in this in this room who has lived in a golden cage, a gilded cage of slavery to material things. And you, 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 you're getting older and you're feeling that you've never flown, you've never been able to be set free from the power of materialism. It's, it's got this hold on you. And I believe God is opening a, a door for you today and saying, I want you to fly. I want you to know what it is to fly in my spirit, to be free. So pray, come Holy Spirit. I had a dream last night, and uh, when I was praying about it this morning, I believe this is the interpretation of it. I believe there's a woman here just about to make a very major life-changing decision. You're making it hurriedly and without any consultation with anyone else, and it is going to negatively impact you, and particularly your family in some way. God is saying, be very careful. Seek some advice from godly people and don't do anything rash. You'll regret it. So if either of any of those words apply to you, please make sure you get somebody to pray for you today. Why don't we stand? I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Jesus. You're the light of the world. Turn on the light switch now, I pray. Illuminate Jesus in the hearts of every man and woman in this place. I pray for salvation. May we come into a wonderful season of salvation. May there be people in this room today to say, Jesus, I want to be rescued. I want to be saved. I want to become a son. I want to become a daughter of God. And Lord, for every one of us, every brother and sister in this place, I pray for freedom this morning. I declare freedom in the name of Jesus, that you have come to set us free, not to be enslaved again by the yoke of slavery, religious yoke or sin yoke, and so I pray as we enter into a ministry time and a worship time, Lord, you'd set many, many people free. You'd cut away those cords of death and set the captive free. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him and then we'll come to a response time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.